Destination Linux. All right, See how so, I did that? So, so professional. That was... You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Look at you later. Got him. You better not make a single mistake during Uh-oh. this episode, Zeb. Not a single one. Let's take a quick sound recording and make sure everybody's levels are right. Don't all speak at once. The red-brown fox jumped over the fence in Britain with the British Zeb money <laughs> stuff. Quibs. Quiddles. Quibbits. What do you guys use over there? Quibbits? Quiddles? Quiddles? <laughs> squid feet? What was it yesterday we found squid feet? I said 50 squid. Squid? <laughs> Let's not record this part challenging it mike because there's there's no reason i'm to just challenge. trying to start you up dude i don't really care i know it and i'm perfectly <laughs> happy with it I mean, you, you don't you don't no 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 let's let's get this one thing clear this is recorded right yes okay it's recorded okay so one thing clear in order to get me riled up you say michael just say something and done let's do it <laughs> all right you ready Yes. Who's clicking? Michael. Michael. I don't know your time. Yeah, I I wouldn't know who's clicking. I would I would never do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they've been working on that for years. Destination Linux is a go. Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 63. I'm Rocco, and your hosts this week are Ryan, Michael, and Zeb. And this is Destination Linux. So, we have an awesome show this week that you're going to want to stick around for. We're going to talk about some Ubuntu Mate 1804 beta news. Yeah. Some Zorin. Some well, uh, not so well-known distros. And gaming, of course. So, Ryan, what's going on, man? Man, I've been having a great week, let me tell you. I uh, Well, <clears throat> we'll get to it a little bit in Mate, which is, will be a funny story when we cover that news. But this week, I, I finally was able to move. I had a horrible experience the last couple of weeks with my web provider, and was finally able to move my entire website over to DigitalOcean. I got a LAMP server set up there. I'm now in control. So it was down for three days naturally. But after that, I've got it back up. Michael helped me uh, as well uh, with some awesome tips and was able to get the site up and running and everything's working great over there. So that was very cool to see some of the things that uh, I've learned over the years put into uh, action and have my own web server for my website. And also, I got my car running Linux. I got a brand new car, and it runs Linux. So nice. What car, and what is it running? Okay, so I got a I got a Honda HRV. Okay, which is kind of like a crossover car SUV, um, and it has a in there. Of course, they've got like all the cars these days, the digital screens, but there's no TV on it or anything like that. But you can use you can use it as that. Uh, as a TV by because it has an HDMI plug-in and it, the HRV has an ability to, when the car's in park, 
that feature kind of turns on. So it doesn't allow you while you're driving that, right. that turns on while you're in park. And so I took a Raspberry Pi and I thought, well, if I can get the resolution down to 720p and then plug this in to the HDMI port that's actually behind the, in the stereo console, then I should be able to run Linux. And sure enough, I've posted it in Telegram. It runs Linux. We got the the Raspbian uh, on there, and it's beautiful. And I nice. thought my wife would be like, "Take this thing out," but then I showed you guys a video in Telegram of my wife playing Minecraft right. while she's waiting in the car line <laughs> to pick up my kids. So she loves it too. So awesome. it's pretty cool. So Linux is now in the car. So that makes it even that much more special. That's awesome. So are so how well did I three work out for you on it? <laughs> three in the car <laughs> could you imagine trying to do the keyboard yeah that would be terrible but i did order a little uh little mini keyboard and mouse so uh, nice. something you could play with but yeah i've got to try three i guess that would be amazing wouldn't it so zeb what have you been up to this week um well i've been i've been having a tidy up of my system um and i finally let calculate linux go um i didn't really want to let it go because it took so long to set up and once i had it set up it was just working, but it really doesn't offer enough to warrant any future maintenance. So that's now gone. So I've gone down from the potential of having 10 OSs to just six, and that will hopefully allow me to still do some testing for when we do um, distros on the show. So you, you have 10 distros running right now? Like you have? No, I had 10 distros. I've now okay. only got space for six. Man, wow. only six. Only six. Don't Can know you imagine trying to, to narrow it down to just six, Rocco? How do you live with yourself, Seth? <laughs> Is that like six you use every day or? I try to log into them every day just to make sure that they're still working. And 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 it's funny enough, the one that I go back to the least is Peppermint because I know it just works. And that's really it's sad right. it's my yep. distro of choice. That makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's but, not as exciting because it's just it just works. <laughs> No, it, it, I know it's reliable. It's like the minute I know I've got to do a podcast, I'm on Peppermint. Right. Done. Everything yeah. just works. It's, so, it's kind the of, other stuff, And the one that I'm really enjoying at the moment is Kubuntu. Really, really good. Yeah. Because of plasma. Yeah, it's excellent. So that's me for the for the week. So a bit a bit fussy, a bit you know twitchy, but other than that, it was okay. But what about you, Michael? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been doing lots of, lots of things, uh, but the pro- uh, I just. This past week, this Tuesday, I recorded a couple episodes with the Ubuntu podcast guys. So I'm going to be a guest Trader. host. Um, <laughs> so as I was saying, sir, I was going to be a guest. I'm going to be. I've already been a guest host in episode three, which came out just recently, and episode four will be coming out uh, this week when uh, this airs. And it's uh, it was a it was a lot of fun. And even though Ryan does not appreciate it. Uh-huh. He he does know that it's necessary to spread the word of destination links. <laughs> well, those guys are great over there, so um, yeah. I'm looking forward to listening to it. Yeah, what what I found quite amusing though was like the first real discussion you had was about teaching one of the other guys' sons to play Rocket League. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually uh, taught him on. I was I I met him on Discord. Didn't know who he was until after I taught him how to play the game. Uh, he was already playing the game rough, like roughly, but I gave him a bunch of tips and stuff. And then, um, uh, then Popey came in and said something. And it's like, you know, do you mean my son? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I did. 
<laughs> oh, so Rocco, that's why he sent you that message when he said he was playing Rocket League with his favorite podcast. Yes. That's what he meant. I got you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, we'll put a link for that podcast and your the episode you're in, Michael, in the show notes so everybody can go listen to it. Sounds good. Rocco, what have you been up to, man? Well, okay, so everybody hassled me for the last how many weeks about hopping or not hopping. So mm -hmm. I did. I blew up the KD. <laughs> they Neon. twisted your arm. <laughs> I didn't really want to do it. You know, I don't really want to distro hop, but I more or less had to. Or at least that's what I told myself. So I nuked uh, <laughs> and paved KD Neon. That's what I told myself. And... I didn't know which one I was going to go with. I, I tried multiple distros in the last week, and I ended up settling on Ubuntu Budgie. Nice. I mean, that's a good one to settle on, right? Well, I already, I still have Ubuntu Mate on the NVMe drive waiting there. As Zeb says, you know, it just works. So mm -hmm. that's all fine. But uh, I'm running right now Ubuntu Budgie. Oh, Martin just sent me a telegram. It says traitor. I don't know what he means. <laughs> It's weird. It's kind of it's kind of interesting because that's who actually I replaced for the episode while he was he was out of the out of town. So oh, it does go. make sense. Huh. Traders all place? around. Maybe that's the title of the show. Traders, Traders all around. <laughs> Walking the plank. Um. <laughs> so is that the beta you're on, Rocco? No, it's the seventeen ten. I, I this is the production machine. This is the one I'm recording off of. And I didn't want to take the chance of doing a beta. I know some of the 1804s are pretty stable, but I still didn't want to take the chance of, of doing a beta. So Makes when sense. one of the 1804s come out, or when the 1804s come out, I will probably be picking one of them to go to. Nice. So how are you liking it? I mean, what's your rating so far? You've been on it for about a week, right? Well, here's the thing. The ratings are, the ratings come after. Like I go through a, a series of tests that I do to make sure it's going to work for me. Like, uh, actually, one of the tests is playing Rocket League. <laughs> yep. If that comes on the right screen and everything works on it, uh, one of the other tests is getting Telegram messages while playing Rocket League, because on uh, specifically Ubuntu, uh, the screen will move down completely. When In I get GNOME, a, you mean? Right. Yeah. When I get a notification, so. That was definitely out, and that hasn't been fixed even in the 1804 version. So, and a couple of the other tests are what version of Caden Live I can get. You know, will how long does it take to render a video? And this one has passed all the tests so far. And wow. um, I'm I always liked Budgie. I always liked it because it's got awesome defaults and it looks nice. Right. So we'll see. Nice, very cool. Sounds good. So that's all us sorted for the week. Um, so what I'd like to do now is move on to some lis a listener question, if that's okay. Um, we had an email from Raymond, um, and he had a question specifically about his particular setup. So what he said is, I have three monitors, HPs, and I have a three-port NVIDIA Corporation G96GL. Um, and he then goes on to say it's a Quadro FX580, so it sounds quite old to me. Um, I'm trying to get all three monitors to work, but I have only been able to get two of the three to be seen by my desktop system. And he then goes on to tell us that he's got a HP Z800 workstation. And he's working with Cinnamon slash Gnome 3. 
Um, and he says, I've installed both versions of NVIDIA drivers to no luck. Now, not, not quite sure what he means by both versions of the drivers. Um, but I think, Ryan, you provided some potential solutions for him. Yeah, I mean, some of the options that I, I've tried in the past when I've had issues, I mean, I've run three monitors on Linux before and running the latest proprietary driver. Of course, I have a, a much more recent NVIDIA graphics card, but making sure you're using the proprietary NVIDIA drivers would be number one thing that uh, I certainly would try. In his case, though, Michael gave a follow-up kind of recommendation on there, which was actually better than my answer which was he probably actually needs to not use the latest NVIDIA proprietary driver, being that it's older, and go find on NVIDIA's site. They actually list out, based on your model number, the driver that you can use within Linux and go and download. The other thing that I've noticed happens a lot is if you have monitors that have different hertz. For instance, I have a 144 hertz monitor. I have a 60 hertz monitor. Um, if you are trying to move move screens before the uh, between those and you do not have them set correctly, so one monitor sets to 144, it may try to set all three, etc. You can have issues like that, or all are set at 60. It can have issues running on your your third monitor. So making sure that everything is kind of set at their native resolution and hertz when you're setting them up, especially if you're cloning your desktop, which is what he mentioned he was doing. So not having three desktops, but cloning them all. Uh, so that could cause an issue if you've got three different kinds of monitors. And then finally, just making sure that you have, you've checked your cables and don't have any issues there. Uh, I know I've been caught like, of course, it's not a cable issue. It's worked for years. And then I find out, oh, it was a cable issue. <laughs> um, the third thing, or I guess the last thing too, is I have used an HDMI, DVI, HDMI, um, um, I guess it's, what do they call it? An external kind of pluggable? Well, it's actually made by pluggable, but it's a pluggable device that goes into a USB drive that basically creates through yeah. your USB an additional HDMI DVI interface. So you can yeah. plug additional monitors into a lot of people use it for laptops, but you can also use it for your desktop to add, say, a fourth or fifth or sixth or whatever monitor you have, depending on the port. So yeah, is it a GPU an adapter built into it? Thank you. That was the word I was looking yeah. for. Yep. What's the, I actually haven't seen one of those that exists for Linux. So, I mean, I'd, I'd like to say that because I've every one I've ever seen is only like a Windows only or something. Well, I know so. the pluggable brand one works for Linux because that's what I have and I've used. Nice. I need to look into that. Well, that's good. Well, Raymond has already, because you, you I think he had your answer in, in, in the week, uh, Ryan. Right. And he's already come back to us and said, hey, guys, thanks for getting back to me. It's greatly appreciated. I tried a variety of connectors options, but to no avail. What I ended up doing was putting in a second graphics card for the third monitor, which solved my problems. Um, and then he said, thanks very much. Keep up the great work with Destination Linux. Regards, Raymond. So it sounds like we have a, a happy, happy emailer. Well, listen, nice. hopefully that second graphics card he put in there was like a 1080 or a Vega 64, in, in which what an awesome way to solve the problem, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, sorry it took so long to get back to you, Raymond. We hope uh, we're glad you got up and running. And if anybody else has any ways that they've finagled or figured out how to work with the multiple monitors, definitely can send it in and we'll share those with you as well. Very nice. Also, Rocco, we want to do a shout out. 
We, we, shout we out to who, dude? A lot of shout outs. Well, I think, you know, every once in a while we want to do a shout out to those in the community that we just absolutely, there are individuals in the community we interact with, whether through our Telegram group, YouTube channels on Biddle or our own channels that just are absolute awesome people that you, you realize these are the kind of people that if you met in real life, you'd instantly want to go have a drink with and hang out with, or they just provide amazing content. It could be a plethora of things that they do. But this week, I think we can all agree on somebody who's helped many, many channels, whether from early on, in my case, when I was just a small, young channel, to those who are big streamers, and that's Carl Schneider. Carl Schneider is the man. The man. He, he has helped so many channels behind the scenes that nobody sees. Uh, he's helped so many distros for their artwork that that you you may notice it uh, or you may find out that that was Carl's work, but it does it's not highlighted anywhere that you know mm. Carl did this artwork. So his artwork is so subtle. It's so clever. It's not in your face. It's just blends in with everything else. It's great. Yeah. Yep. Not he's only that, really he's good to get feedback from too. So he's, you just ask him any question, he's he's available to get feedback from. So it's great. Yeah, and he just he volunteers to help out, and uh, I don't know if he has official sites or must do this professionally or whatnot. But he's also hilariously funny because <laughs> if you guys remember the whole thing about DOS Google and all of that that was going on, where people were basically calling renaming me to DOS Google, he starts he starts instantly sending Rocco uh, <laughs> wallpapers behind the scenes. Like, but they're beautiful. Like yeah. I, I ended up using them on my channel. So it's like a joke. I used it on my desktop wallpaper for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> so not only is he awesome and does great artwork, but he's very funny and would be just an awesome dude to hang out with uh, someday. So any case, I think he deserves a good shout out. Well, he yeah, does pop awesome. into Biddle. He definitely awesome guy. Awesome guy. We'll have a link to his DeviantArt page and... I don't know if he has any other sites or not, but we'll leave a link to those in the show notes. Awesome. All right. So you remember when we had Manjaro on Rocco and I asked Philip a question and he said RTFM? I do. So Ryan simply <laughs> read the manual. <laughs> Just read the manual. How dare you? Yeah. But you, uh, uh, this interview is over, Rocco. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> wait. Read the wait. read the the manual, and you guys can fill in what the F stands for. And so the in the case people don't know that lingo, but it was a joke. It was really funny. So recently. Uh, I was using Ubuntu Mate 18.04. Okay. I'm liking it a lot, and but I wanted to be able to tile the windows. So I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go telegram Martin, you know, Martin Wimpress and ask him how to tile the windows. Right. And he goes, he's super nice, super nice about the whole thing. But he's like, you know, I really think that's in the manual. And sure enough, when I go into it, <laughs> There are all these keyboard shortcuts listed out there for tiling, but it, it, you use the alt key instead of the super key. So, you know, it, it, it thrown me a little bit, but it's right there. So I got RTF dim by Martin and from Philip Manjaro. I'm really well, starting to rack them up, but no, he was super nice about it and uh, directed me to that. So in any case, I've been playing around with Ubuntu 18.04 in its beta testing 
And there are so many awesome changes going on within Ubuntu Mate. Obviously, you have the better high DPI support, global menu support, GTKA plus three support for all their themes. But there's also the whole new uh, default layout called Familiar. Yeah. And it's caused some ripples, huh? It, well, I guess it's caused some ripples, but I can tell you it's beautiful. I absolutely love it. And I, I guess the big deal is that it replaces the menu bar with the brisk menu. Um, mm-hmm. which, is, which is how I have my 1710 set up on the NVMe drive. Exactly the way the, the new familiar layout is, is exactly how I have it, which is, to me, the way it should be. Nice. Modernizing the old style of the like the traditional style. Yeah, I mean, I think it it looks gorgeous. I I used it before this article even came out. I was I had switched to eighteen point oh four to do testing, and I saw it in there, and I was just going through the options. I wasn't even paying attention to the names, and that's the one I naturally defaulted to. Like, oh, I like this one the most, and just started using it. So it's it's awesome. It's going to be the new default. I will tell you that when you switch though in eighteen point oh four, and this may be fixed by the time this comes out. But if you switch to different themes and it seems to be specific to familiar, everything goes blank and all you have is the two toolbars. And if you just go up to the toolbar, right click and reset to default, it'll all go back to normal and be fine. But that's just a little bug that's currently, I mean, it's in beta, so kind of expected to be a little buggy. Yeah, yeah there's a few uh, bugs that some of the people in the Telegram have been talking about with layouts and updates and stuff. So it's beta, but they'll yeah. be fixed by the time it releases. But otherwise, I mean, I'm on it right now on my main machine. I'm on it on my laptops. I've really been enjoying it. So there are a few little bugs like that that are non, I mean, you can work around. Like I said, you just right-click the toolbar, reset default, everything goes fine. Um, but otherwise, you can tell this is going to be another really solid release from Mate that's going to be coming out. Because, you know, some of the other ones that are in the 18, you can barely get to work. This one seems like it's pretty close to release quality. I agree. My testing has been pretty much flawless. So, yep. Well, well you have tested funny. it, have you? I've tested a bunch of Mate last okay. one, yeah. But the, the, the funny thing is, is I was actually, do I was testing something, and then I was, uh, it bothered me, and it was like the graphics were like messed up and wasn't doing what I expected it to do, and then uh, it's this. Okay, so how earlier Zeb some so he said he was going to pull down the ten distros down to six. <laughs> I am going from one. Two six, so his down to six is like a very big. It, it for me, it feels like I'm expanding greatly, and his is like uh, I'll deal with the little, as, as little as possible, I guess. <laughs> or and so I, I haven't distro hopped in so long that I forgot some things. So I was kind of bothered by like something not working right. I didn't install the drivers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first. Michael uh, yep. Cannell forgot something. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens. Well, it reminds me of uh, Linus one time. They were asking him, you know, about installing Ubuntu and stuff. And he's like, I couldn't figure out how to install it. It was during like a press conference or something like that. And here he he designs the whole kernel. So, you know, it, it could be different when you're coming from a different because you've been on KD Neon forever. Yeah, I've been on the same install for like two years now. Yeah, I just I just forgot that. I I know I have to do these things and I don't have a list of what I need to do and I just just totally forgot about it. Yep. Well, there's a lot of hype about 
around the new 1804 Ubuntu's at the moment, but there are other distros that are still just merrily rolling along and doing their stuff. And one of those had a new release um, this week, and it was Antix 17.1. Now, for those of you who don't know, that's like, I I don't want to call it like the baby brother to MX, because I think it was around before. It was. Um, It was around the time of Mepis. Um, But Antix is really designed for your old school Linux um, and your old your older machines and it and it, and it works brilliantly um, they're, they're offering in this particular release the new 4.9.87 kernel which is patched for meltdown inspector um, all packages have been upgraded to Debian 9.4 um, and to just prove to you that they're really trying to have that niche of the old hardware they've got some new sys media graphics. Um, now I hadn't heard of SysMedia in like nine or ten years, so that was that was that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> I love the way that although they're that slant towards the older distro, they're taking some of the newer stuff from MX. So they've ported the Repo Manager, the Antics Viewer, the Live USB Maker. So they realise that whilst they like to stay old school and work on these old machines, they can still bring some of this newer technology um to to, to everybody so the question of course is then how did it go because i'm not necessarily someone who likes the old school stuff well i got it installed and everything was working and then all of a sudden i'm thinking what's this rocks windows manager where's normal stuff i'm I'm just not used to all these tiling windows or windows manager and it offers like seven or eight of them so it can be a bit confusing for the new users and everything was working great and then I installed NVIDIA. Oops. Mm. Got dumped down to a prompt. Tried all sorts of various things. And I thought, Do you know what? This is just one of those. It's not for me and gave up. But then I thought to myself, hey, this is the MX guys. This is the Antics guys. These forums are just superb. So I went on a mission. I went trawling around their forums to try and find the answers. And hey, I found the answers. I made the simple mistake of not adding the Jesse backports. As soon as I added the Jesse backports, boom, everything worked. Interesting. It's a really nice, smooth, slick, quick distro. Now, I don't know if any of you other guys have tried it, but although it's old school, I'm actually quite enjoying it. Nice. Now, I watched DistroTube. He did a video and... Uh, who he was trying to do a live video on antics and unfortunately it locked up uh, during the live video on him with the install. So I think there may be some little issues with NVIDIA cause he may be running NVIDIA too. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I haven't had a chance to play with it yet, but I generally love everything they do over there. So it will be definitely something uh, I'll play with once the NVIDIA stuff gets a, a little resolved there. Cause most of my hardware has NVIDIA GPUs. Yeah, I used to I used to play with the uh, antics all the time because it was it was one of those um, like I had a heart a laptop that was really old at, at one point, so I needed something that was like that that kind of interface. Uh, so I used antics for about a year on a laptop that was um, AMD based. So I never experienced any kind of like driver issue just because well there weren't any drivers at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because well, AMD didn't do it. When you do use it, uh, get it installed, up, update absolute everything, reboot, then go into their package manager because then you can 
update to the latest kernel and it's 4.15.9. Nice. Once you're on that and then put the Jesse backports on, NVIDIA works fine. And as I say, it's really, really quick. Very cool. So another distro that has been released is Zorin OS 12.3. So if you haven't heard of Zorin, it's, which I don't think anybody's not heard of Zorin, but just to familiarize you with it, it was started in 2008. And the goal is to have a, have the them provide a Linux alternative to Windows and let Windows users enjoy all the features of Linux without complications. Okay, that's the goal. The question is, do they hit that goal? So have you guys tried Zorin yet? I have. It's been a little while though, but uh, I liked it. I tried it with like Zorin 11, I think. Um, it's it's a it's a nice distro. It's it's a it's probably like one of the better for like beginner users. Yeah, like, I I played with Zorin this week, and I just you know we've mentioned in the past. Personally, I like the 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 menu you're more used to, where it doesn't kind of take over your whole screen. Yeah. Um, idea and this is this utilizes GNOME but defaults with more of a standard menu that m most of us would be used to or a Windows user for instance would be used to or uh, that you would see in most desktop applications and I just thought the theming was gorgeous in it. Well it offers a few different versions so you have Zorin OS Core, Ultimate, Business and Education and then you also have a light version of the ultimate business and education. Now, the regular core uses a GNOME version, like you said, where you have it. It's a very customized GNOME experience, mm -hmm. but it doesn't allow you as a user to customize too much of it. It's pretty much right. set up in the way they think you should use it. And, you know, you go from there. Now, the light version offers a XFCE version similar to that, where it's locked down, where you're not going to customize it too much, but uh, they have it set up pretty well to emulate something like a Windows user would be used to. So, Zeb, you have ever tried it? Uh, funny you should say that, because I went for the light version purely because I prefer XFCE desktops. Um, and unfortunately for me, it's still got that very bright... Um, color scheming um, mm -hmm. and it, it's either in your face white and a color which looks great and it looks very um, very modern and very swish or it's a very dark theme um, and even if you try and introduce other themes because it's xfce they don't work so well um, so if you're happy with the fact that it is what it is and you get what it what you get there's nothing in there that you can't do with it that you can do on any other distro. Um, and you're right, Ryan, the theming does look good, but only if you like bright theming, because their their idea of a dark theme is just turn everything that's white black. And that right. doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily work for me. Um, but you know, the distro adding your little installer script works brilliantly on it. Everything nice. just comes straight in and and it's it's a a, a fine OS. A shout out to dosgeek, uh, github.com forward slash dosgeek channel <laughs> for the install script. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I did try it 
uh, I did download it. Some of the new features are going to be uh, they have Wine 3.0 installed so that you can play, you know, a little bit more games maybe than you were able to before with the older versions of Wine. You can customize the folder colors and the emblems. You have, now have printing indicators on the bottom, so when you start printing something, it'll go into the system tray to say, hey, here's your printing. And it, the updated kernel is 4.13. It kind of has the same situation where they have a purchase option. So you can mm -hmm. purchase the ultimate version for $19. And the, the difference would be is it has extra layouts. In the regular Zorin, you have a switcher. So you can switch from a icon style taskbar to a full-blown taskbar, kind of like a XFCE runs. Or you can go with the uh, a basic GNOME look. So if you buy or purchase the ultimate version for 19 uh, I don't know if it's 19 euros. It's 19 euros, right? Um, if you yeah. purchase the uh, ultimate version, you'll have extra layouts. And I'm not exactly sure all of the layouts. I know one of them is a Mac OS look and a, a Windows 10 look, I'm pretty sure. So uh, it's. I did download it. I did install it. I did do some of the testing, including Rocket League. And even though – now, I downloaded the – the core version, which has running the GNOME, because that's what I'm kind of familiar with. And it ran great. And when it popped up the notifications, it did not minimize the screen. Oh, wow. Which is different nice. than the latest Ubuntu version. But the notifications were popping up on the second screen. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. So maybe because they were going to the second screen, they weren't interfering with the first screen. But either way, I wasn't having that issue with it. So I didn't get to do full, like, extensive testing with it, but I did test a few things out, and it worked pretty good. And like you said, Zeb, if if you take it for what it is and you don't want, you don't need to customize it, it's a pretty nice system. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of default. You kind of touched on this, but a lot of default wine configuration stuff in Zorin, right, on their paid for versions? I don't know what they, I don't know everything about the paid version uh, as far as what else it offers you. I don't think there's any extra apps in the paid version. I think the paid version is basically, if I'm not, I'm, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the paid version is just to be able to switch the layouts. You know what? We need them on. We need to have someone from Zorn on to tell us more about this. Because I looked at it and I thought, you know, sometimes you look at these different flavors and you're like, eh. I mean, okay, but Zorn's one that I looked at and go, I, I could run this. It's it's that pretty and well laid out that I could install this on a main machine. So I'd love to learn more about it. I agree. Uh, so LG announced that the they're going to making they're going to open source the WebOS operating system. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. We we uh, figured why, out why we're WebOS buddies. Why is this important, and why should I care, Michael? Okay, because WebOS was probably the most ahead of its time yep. um, operating system ever. So they did; they had unique concepts that changed the way mobile inter interfaces worked, and in fact, changed every way that every mobile interface worked. Every operating system copied most of what made WebOS great. So Palm created WebOS in about two thousand. They announced it in two thousand eight. They released it in 2009. 
Um, I got mine in 2009. You still have and, the Palm yeah, Free. Yeah, oh dude. my gosh, look. Yeah, the Palm Free. Would you the, have any doubt that he still has it? I can't believe he still has it. <laughs> look at his shelf behind him. You're dude. right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> look at his shelf. It belongs yeah. in a museum. Oh. It's 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 going to have its own display on the shelf, too. It deserves uh, one. Yeah. Does so, it still work? Uh, ish, yeah, ish. <laughs> the problem with the web with the with the WebOS is not the software; it was the hardware. It, all the time, it was always the hardware, and it was because like this is a cool phone because you got the feature of the regular phone, but then you got a uh, a full keyboard keyboard thing, and it was really nice to use. Yep. the 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 problem with it is that they spent more time designing the usage of it than the actual internals of the phone. So the battery of the phone was um, not good. Abysmal. Awful. Yeah. Mm. And for the point where now it'll work, it'll turn on and it'll stay on as long as it has the cord plugged into it. (laughs) Once you take it out, you have about 45 seconds and it's gone. That's pretty fast mobile usage. Yeah. 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 It's it's pretty, it's uh, yeah, not, that's not that good, but the, the web, the interface itself is fantastic. And, Palm sold a WebOS to HP uh, a few years ago in like 2011, 2012. HP for a little bit of time promised they were going to make some tablets and phones and stuff. And they didn't really make the phones ever, but they did make a nice tablet, which is re- that's a really nice tablet. Um, they then sold it to LG in 2013. LG converted it into a TV interface. So like for smart TVs, which if you've never used this to the smart the WebOS on a smart TV, it's actually a really good implementation of WebOS. And like it's like the only smart TV interface that I ever actually used and it was like not abysmal. So the the idea that they're gonna bring back WebOS to just in in general purpose technology is is fantastic. I I could not like the fact that the Nexus five is an LG phone or like the new like most of the the the, the uh, V10 and the V12 or whatever, the fact that those are available with like nice phones, like if I could put WebOS from here into this, I would be just ecstatic. Yeah, and development becomes much easier because it's based on. I mean, that's the whole name, of course, WebOS, web-based languages. So think about all the development potential there for applications and things, and how easy they would be to apply into this format and frankly i would love i i've been talking about this since we started about wanting a third player really in the mobile market i think people are bored of android i think they're bored of ios and i think this is the time somebody could come in and actually compete in that arena the the game the name of the game is getting apps out there and the cool thing about web os being web-based is you could get a bunch of apps on it very very quickly also, there's a whole thing about, you know, a lot of apps are moving to the web app system now instead of just doing the, the apps for the native apps for the phones. So they're, they're kind of like, it's, it's, it, they were way ahead of its time. And now it might be time for a web-based interface to come back. So th- that is going to be fantastic. I, so who, so who do you think is going to use this? I would. How long? Yeah, but okay. So, but how long before the apps are going to be coming out? If LG have had it since 2013, why haven't they done something major with it? If it's that good, because they were they had deals with it, with Google and Android and stuff, so they didn't they didn't really have a need to. 
Right. And this, they're not really doing it now anyway. Like their idea is to open source it so that companies and communities could build it for themselves. And there's actually already work on making a Raspberry Pi version of WebOS. Wow. So okay. like that it is, it's already been moving pretty quickly. They only announced that they were open sourcing it like a couple few days ago. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be, um, it, it's, it has a potential to be fantastic. Now, whether it is fantastic or not, I don't know. But mm. like just WebOS itself is innovative and most people have no idea. So for example, the, uh, the, the most, the biggest example that you could get for WebOS being a game changer is the card system. So when you go on Android and you want to close an application, you click the little the, the application button and then it shows you all the, all the applications you have currently and you just swipe them away. That was invented by WebOS. And it, you, it was instead of swiping to the left, you would swipe up and that would do the exact same thing. So, but the problem is they announced this in CES 2008. They did not release the phone until CES 2009 or a little bit later. And unfortunately, because of that, Android released their function of swiping or swiping away cards, basically copying WebOS mm-hmm. within a few months after WebOS came out. So it like removed a lot of the benefits to it. But like at some point, but once you had WebOS, all these features were really cool and they, they, they showed them off and everybody was super excited, but it took so long to get it. Android just copied them all and then there was no reason to use it. So they, they kind of like before ahead of its time and then didn't really manage it well that either. So, mm-hmm. but if it's open source, then the community can manage it and we'll do it better. That's right. So, you know, I'm, I'm a Palm Pre buddy with you there, Michael. I hope something really comes of that. I like the last quote from the CTO of LG as we move from an app-based environment to web-based one basically talking about everything, right? We believe the true potential of WebOS is yet to be seen and I couldn't agree more with him and I I can't wait to see what they come with that. So another thing uh, that you have to keep in mind is if you're going to solve a problem, you have to first admit you have one, Rocco. I don't have any problems. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Mint team, the Mint development team was hearing, I guess, for a while that XFCE and Mate felt snappier than their default cinnamon desktop environment. And they finally took the time to kind of sit down and put it to the test. And as they were playing with it and, you know, trying XFCE and Mate and then comparing it with cinnamon, they were kind of like, you know what? It does kind of feel snappier when you're opening apps and things in XFCE and Mate. So then they went so far as to go and create a script a custom script to try to basically throw hundreds of windows at um, the desktop environment and do some tests between MetaCity and Cinnamon. And guess what they discovered? What did they discover? They discovered Cinnamon slow. Slower. <laughs> so has anybody noticed, has anybody else who's played, because I played with Mint, but I honestly, because I'm such an XFCE fan, always went with XFCE. So I never really played with Cinnamon a whole lot. So I don't know that yeah. I was in it long enough to say, yeah, it seems slower. I used Cinnamon for a couple of years and it, it, it had some issues. It was, it was kind of like one of the few systems that was polished, but also was, was uh, leaner. But if you compare it with XFC, it was XFC was obviously faster. And well, it depends on your workflow. Like I, 
I always have at least 10, 15, 20 applications running at all times. So it's, I can notice it much faster than some people, but um, if you're just basic, yeah, I tested it recently on a laptop. Uh, and if you're just basically using it with like a few programs, you probably wouldn't notice it. So it's interesting that they, you know, took it to like an extreme of testing like 200 at a time. So that's pretty cool. I used it this week um, and I actually asked the question or made a note on, on the thing here. I used it for two hours and didn't notice it was slow. So is it a case of you've got to keep the thing up and running for a week before you notice things like this? Because to me, it just mm-hmm. ran like cinnamon. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where that, I mean, obviously those timings are crazy because, you know, six, six seconds in Meta City and 22 seconds in cinnamon. I was expecting to see sort of like milliseconds, in which case, oh, what's all the fuss about? But 22 seconds is a long time to wait for your system to come back in. But using it for two hours, I didn't notice it. Using yeah. Ferran OS, which uses Cinnamon, I wouldn't call Ferran OS slow. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't see it in the small time I had it going. Yeah, you wouldn't notice it until you compared it to other ones after you've spent a it's not about how like how long the systems are running it's how much you put into like the workload of the system so when i use cinnamon i would do like extensive constant like pro like compiling and things like that while like so my machine is doing something and also loading a bunch of other windows and you would notice some slowdowns when i went to xfce mate or plasma i would see that there would there was a difference and you could tell um, so it's kind of like an, an issue of just how much you use versus how much, um, you know, how long you've used it. Yeah. I, I think that, um, it's awesome that they went in there and they've kind of heard these comments. They went and tested it, saw that it seemed to be an issue and then went and built the script to test it even more thoroughly and then put fixes in for it. I think that's really cool. It's going to be snappier. It's going to be more fun to use Cinnamon uh, with it being faster like that. And hopefully now that they have that script, they can keep using it as they make changes within Cinnamon and keep it going. They're going to, they're, they're back. They already backported quite a few fixes from Mutters, which is going to improve it so that like the way they described it is uh, very promising. So I'm glad to see that they're doing that. And also what I'm glad to see is KDE, KDE member Nathaniel Graham posted on his blog about improvements for his adventures in Linux and KDE. And he's talked about some stuff that's coming in 5.13. And one of the things I would like to see if uh, Rocco and Ryan, your opinion of this, you know, you've talked about the artifacts and some things about icons and stuff, and they seem to be working on that. So what do you think? (laughs) Well, this is a bug that uh, actually Ryan saw as I was sharing my screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it doesn't – this is a bug specifically to like text being unreadable, like if you open the menu at certain times. And mm. it's not the same bug as I was talking about before where if you come out of suspend, icons would have artifacts all over them and on the panels. So wow. this that's a separate issue with an, an NVIDIA driver. This is specific to Plasma, and I'm glad to see they're working on it because it's it is really it takes away from the fe- from the feel of KDE when you open the menu and you can't read the text. I mean, I mean this is like my beg. I, I'm, I'm begging on my hands and knees to the KDE Plasma team. 
to quit blaming whatever it is, the NVIDIA, whatnot, because I have NVIDIA on every other distro and it just works. I, I don't have this fragmented text and blocking and in hieroglyphics going on because KDE has everything I want, right? I mean, from window tiling to being absolutely fast and gorgeous and customization. But when it comes to seeing opening a menu and you can't read the text or whatever, when you run NVIDIA, it's just, it's unusable to me. Like Rocco, you stayed on it way longer than I thought you could because you're a theming well, that's you're because, so into theming, but it's frustrating. It is frustrating, but that's because of all of the other features. It's kind of like you know you're weighing when you're running a, a distro, you're weighing you know the good and the bad because no distro yeah. is perfect. So you're kind of like weighing you know should I stay or should I go or whatever. That was a song I think. Should I stay? Should I stay or should I go now? Um, <laughs> but so after a while, those bugs kind of win out. And you switch. And that's exactly what happened to me with KD Neon, where those type of issues won out. But it is very frustrating. But they're I've working on it, man. I've heard it's an NVIDIA issue, but at the same time, work around it like everybody else has, because it really does. I mean, most people run who have an external GPU or using an NVIDIA GPU just by stats. So you're taking a lot of customers that are going to have ugly and pixelated issues. I'm very happy to see these fixes in there. And I hope they continue because I want to be able to boot in a KDE with an NVIDIA card and experience everything that's so awesome about this desktop without having to deal with silly things like that. Yeah, all I heard was Ryan saying that KDE Plasma has everything that I want. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut that part out. It really does. They have some. They make some of the best applications out there, period, as well. So, I mean, there's so much to love there. Uh, that, that's just, that bug won't stop. Won't go away. Well... Not to be outdone, GNOME 3.28 was released on March 14th. Of course 14th. you bring up GNOME well, right after Katie. Of course, dude. <laughs> of course. Now, this is released on March 14th, but, uh, you know, we're just getting around to it here at Destination Linux. So uh, they have some new features in GNOME 3.28, uh, one of them being the files and folders has a new feature that you can star different files or folders for faster access. Now, I didn't see anywhere... I don't know if you guys did what it's actually going to look like. Like, where is this feature going to be? How are we going to use it? It's just a blurb saying about a star feature. Michael, I, I I did see a little bit. Of, they didn't really say exactly. It's gonna. I think it pretty sure it's gonna be in the hamburger menu, and then then you like I click the start section, and then there's going to be like, you know how when you see a display of like your recently opened files, it's just gonna be like that, except it'll be starred stuff that you only what you want to see. Kind of like the bookmarks are. I was just yeah. about to say, what's the difference sort of. between these starred folders and bookmarks? Well, because in, in the start, the bookmarks are like when you have like the recently viewed documents, you click that bookmark, then it shows you all the stuff. But the bookmarks are just folders to quickly get access to something. So this is more, you can star an individual file that you use often and go back to it easily. So you can do, you can do files and folders. And as far as the folders go, it's redundant to the bookmarks, but if, because it's also got files too, it's not, it's not as like, it, it's has benefit. Like I've never seen a file manager do this kind of thing. So it, I would like to see what happens with it. So it has potential. Well, Ryan, not as much as desktop icons though. <laughs> <laughs> well, the 1804 release of Ubuntu will be featuring GNOME 3.2 or Nautilus 3.26 so that mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about that. But yeah. Ryan, you're a huge fan of GNOME. So <laughs> I know that uh, you would appreciate the fact that now the 
uh, calendar has a neater month view. Yes, that was one of the features that I just was beating my head against the desk for, and I'm so glad. But no, no, I'm teasing. It, it is, I, I love all these little changes that make things better, and I did become a fan of GNOME and your challenge. Um, I, I definitely saw a lot of value into how GNOME things, and one of the cool things about GNOME is it doesn't have the artifacting issue, Michael. Huh. Or system tray. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, uh, Gnome Photos also has received some improvements. Uh, they've also added a meter bandwidth. Yeah, the, the bandwidth thing is really cool. I actually, yes. the the, fo- the Gnome Photos thing is it's really interesting because it's it's there. The editor is not just like a basic editor because it's. I mean, it is kind. It's very simple what it does, but it has a highlight and shadow control editing. So, like when you if if you like to in. It doesn't. It's kind of weird terming, but the terminology. But as far as photos photography goes, you can actually like increase the highlights of a photo without adjusting the shadows, and that is very useful for like like um, raw photo manipulation, like dark table kind of thing. Right. Yeah, so that, what I like cool. is they put all of these quick features that you would use. You know, unless you're going to go into a separate professional application, these are the things: cropping, zooming, adding shadows and highlights that you would want. You, you can yeah. do quickly on a photo. You're not trying to make it professional or, or whatnot. These are just the quick hits that you would do on a photo very quickly, like you do on your phone or anything else. And they've built that right in. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Zeb, they also improved USB support, Thunderbolt, Bluetooth, and Gnome Box is also is able to drag and drop now. So what do you think? Yeah, um, I'm not a big Gnome lover. Um, it's just one of those desktops that I just, I just can't get used to. But the thing, the thing I like about them is that they're always improving. They're always, and I know people are moaning because they drop off other features, um, but they've got their reasons Michael. for that. Um, I would never, and, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and they, they, they just, it seems that with every release, they bring out a nice new little tweak that's going to make it. Mm-hmm. make it that much better to you. So I don't know, maybe I should do the gnome challenge for a week. I was just going to say you saying, you know, it's, well, it's not one I've used a lot. I was like, uh Oh, here, Rocco will make you do the gnome challenge now. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll do the gnome challenge, but Zeb, just so you know, this is not, uh, you know, not without its bad parts too. So they have a bug in gnome and it has a big memory leak in it. So, when you start GNOME, it consumes 70 megabytes. According to one of the GNOME developers, which I will not even try to pronounce his name, and that is due <laughs> out of to, respect. Out of respect for him, I will not try to pronounce his name, but he did some testing, and GNOME Shell starts up with 70 megabytes of RAM. And then when you open a or have a menu pop up, you go to 95 megabytes. And then if you load like the icon grid, you'll get up to 250 megabytes. So it constantly is eating up the memory. So I don't know, like your system is kind of like a beast though, don't you think? Yeah, I've got to have 10,000 icons in for it to eat up 32 gig. Well, it does have a lot of icons, but But they work around, they're working on it. They know about it. And it's still present in the 1804 LTS beta. Mm-hmm. But there is a workaround right now if you would like to do the gnome challenge, Zeb. Well, you What's that workaround, Rocco? To use and I'll, I'll go for it. What do you want me to install? All right. So I want you to do the gnome challenge, and I want you to run gnome for a week, 
so that you, and I want you to use it like not all the time, but I mean, I want you to use it enough to get, to try to get used to the workflow because I think the workflow mm -hmm. is absolutely awesome. And the workaround in case you lose all of your memory is you press all F2 and you hit R and enter and that restarts GNOME. And there you go. <laughs> That's it. Okay. That's all you got to do. Just restart GNOME. It's good. Wait a minute. Let me make sure I got that. It's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. See, you got oh, it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. So are we talking GNOME 17.10 or 18.04 beta? I, I would do the Ubuntu 17.10. So, you can, so that you could get used to what it's, I mean, the 1804, you never know what new bugs are going to be introduced, like a big memory mm -hmm. leak or something like that. So I would do the- It's in 1710 as well. I know it is, but there may be more. <laughs> so I would do the 1710. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds good because um, the next distro that um, Ryan found- <laughs> I love how I get blamed oh. for this one. And I was, no, 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 no. I was getting really excited because I thought, yeah, uh -huh. a new distro. I've never heard of this before. What's a DVD? You can only create a DVD ISO. I mean, the ISO is 4.35 gigabytes. Yeah. It's the RPM package manager. Um, you can have no more KDE plasma. And I've got to write it to a DVD. Yeah. I don't have a DVD on my main machine. What is this I mean, distro called? Uh, Omarine or Omarine. It comes um, from remind Vietnam. Me, Vietnam. There you go. Um, so my question is, why in 2018 is there not an option to create a live USB? And I then said, I do have a writer on my laptop, but to be honest, I was unwilling to trust a disto that is provided on DVD only. Well, in fairness, in fairness, they say if you go to the about about Omarine is a powerful operating system for servers. But it can uh, also be used for desktops, GNOME or Plasma option. Um, at the login screen, of course, you can choose which one you want to drop in. So I think this this individual has a very specific purpose with it. But you know, mm -hmm. a lot of times, especially with all the Ubuntu stuff coming out in the 18s, we're talking about all the same distros, and some uh, distro hoppers want to try something new. So all you have to do is go buy yourself a DVD player. Now finding one may be a problem because they don't make them anymore. But <laughs> find yourself a DVD player. And uh, go install this, Michael. I I don't think I heard when we were talking about KDE bugs and GNOME bugs. I didn't. I don't think we heard the words in fairness. Uh, All you no. need is an eight-track player, no and need. you can listen to. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's like it's you can you can go get a an external like you can get a, a an enclosure that allows you to use an optical drive through a USB port. Mm -hmm. So it's like compensating yeah. for that sure. and if you have sure. a computer in your home that has a dvd drive you can network your dvd drive and any mm -hmm. computer can access it then i have got one i just wanted any excuse <laughs> <laughs> so canonical announced that mozilla is going to be is well not going to be already is available as a snap and that you can instead of using the dev file or rpm file you can use the snap which is updated by Mozilla, which is the finally, yeah, absolutely. The best part about it is that the development, the, the maintenance of it is made by Mozilla. So, like, the updates are going to be as soon as the Windows version is ready, the Linux version is ready. That's awesome. That is awesome. And you can install that alongside of the distribution, the Firefox version in your distribution, correct? 
Yes, you can have both the the distro version and the snap if you want. Why? Because. Well, why, why? What? What is the advantage here of putting this into a snap? Like I could just go. Well, after mainly the, Firefox. What's well, because uh, distros that might not have support for that this particular application. For uh-huh. example, let's say you know you're using Chaos. Firefox is GTK based, so you could use the snap version and put it on Chaos in theory. So like that, that by itself is, is, is the most, you know, interesting thing for me. But I think that the, the fact that Nomozilla is the one maintaining it is the, like has the best potential for it. Cause that, that just that not having to worry about what, when your distro is going to update the thing, you know, yeah. it, often you'll see blog posts, like there's a new Mozilla Firefox out. You'll get it some day, some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you, can I opt out of installing the snap? Wow. Um, you could. Uh, I'm not sure why you would because it's fantastic and uh, uh, Firefox is the best ask, browser. Brian? Mm. I don't know. I just heard so I've heard rumors of things going on with Opt Out and Mozilla recently. You want to kind of bring us up to date, Michael? I'm not aware of what you're talking about. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, okay. Uh, so, th- th- this is like there's a lot of misinformation about this particular topic. So, of course, there is. Yes, naturally. It's the internet. If you guys so, don't know, Michael loves that other podcast and Firefox more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll never get him to say a negative word about either of those two. That's not true. It's just this particular <laughs> one is th- that 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 Mr. Robot thing was dumb. So uh, okay. we got you I, I will. I, there are things Firefox is not perfect about. There are things that it is fantastic. And uh, so but this is this is an issue where people are freaking out over something that's not that big a deal. So people okay. were saying that this is an opt out for the settings being they're doing a test. They're doing a shield study, which is like the way they they you sign up to do a data collection, you know, anonymized data collection thing inside of that is also another thing you can sign up for called shield studies. Now by default in basically every version of the browser, those are added, those are on by default. So people are saying that's opt out and they're doing this whole transferring uh, statistics to Cloudflare Cloudflare to to change out the, uh, the DNS structure so that the, the DNS would be automatically doing it over HTTPS. That's actually a really cool idea, and it could be a, like save a lot of uh, hassles in the future for like speed and security. So it could be cool, but people are freaking out because of the opt-out part. However, this only is happening for Firefox Nightly, so you have to opt into Nightly in order, therefore, to participate in this in this this testing. So there there is no opt-out issue because it requires you to opt into Nightly. So, so what you're saying is basically Mozilla decided to they want to test a more secure method of resolving internet names. They're using this TRR, Trusted Recursive Resolver, via DNS, and they have they're going to be testing this using their nightly builds. To join a nightly build, you're already signing up saying you're you're willing to have experiments and testing done. Yep. Throughout that's like the, that's. I mean, the fact that it's a nightly building, you're getting a new version every day. That implies that you are willing to deal with all kinds of new testing stuff. Well, people are upset about it. And they're basically saying the, the thing they're upset about isn't necessarily the testing, but that this information is being sent off to a third party and that third party being Cloudflare. So why doesn't Mozilla just 
keep the information and do the experiment themselves versus sending it off. Well, Cloudflare is like one of the biggest CDN providers ever. Like they're like uh, they're not as big as like Amazon or AWS stuff, but uh, they are one, they're in the top five of the biggest things. And they also support a lot of uh, projects like open source projects and stuff like that. So they're heavily used. So that's probably why they're doing it. Maybe there's like a partnership with them or something like that. But uh, Firefox, in order to provide a CDN, like a, centra- a centralized distributed net or content distributed network, you have an issue of pr- needing to provide a plethora of servers to do that network. So you'd have to have multiple servers in multiple countries and multiple sections of those countries to make sure a CDN works properly. So instead of Mozilla building their own, they partner with one. So it, it makes sense that they would do a partnership. And I understand why people don't necessarily like Cloudflare because they had some issues back in the day. Um, but as far as being really annoyed by it, it's like just turn off the Shield study and don't install nightly. No, I have exactly. to I have to disagree uh, in a sense here because, and I'm always probably going to disagree with the opt in out that part because just because you opt in or sign up or go for the nightly build doesn't necessarily mean that you want to opt in to every study automatically. It does so, mean that you are opting into something that is incredibly alpha and that you should be aware of that correct. and be testing, checking out what everything that you would be testing with. Correct. It does mean that it's not a stable version and I can't rely on it, but it doesn't blanket statement say I'm opted into every test that they want to do now and later. And I think that's where the problem is. This is just another uh, another thing on top of what Mozilla has already done to oh. add to the whole opt out thing. It's just just because I sign up for a beta test to test out the operating system or the program, whichever you prefer, doesn't mean like if I go and I be a beta tester for, say, Arch Merge, that doesn't mean that Arch Merge is going to collect all my information. And I allow that because I'm testing a beta. I, it's right. The whole idea a part... of a nightly build or a beta is that it's not stable. It doesn't necessarily mean that. And that, no, it's where they do testing. Not that that's where they test everything. So hey, Rocco, to, uh, we, turned, we signed up for nightly build and we turned on your webcam and watched you for like two hours. If you didn't like it, you shouldn't have signed up. That's for the what night- I'm saying. Like you can pretty <laughs> much you. That's a blanket statement to say that they can do whatever they like because you signed up for a beta build. No, that's what, not kind, the what case. kind of material is made out of that hat, Ryan? Is it tinfoil? I can't tell. <laughs> tinfoil goes underneath that but this is what i'm saying michael this is not the fir- we've talked about it where mozilla has made some weird choices in the last couple months yeah and this just sure. adds to that weird choice that i i think that this is an is it is necessarily like not uh, it's odd but it's not it's not something to be annoyed by about the opt-in because of the fact that it's in a testing branch and it's in a heavily testing branch. And if you are going to sign up for testing branches, you should look into what you're signing up for. But it's because nowhere it, in there does it say it is, they that, announce it. They announce it. There's nowhere in the beta. Like if you go to the Firefox Nightly or whatever, you, it doesn't say you're opted into every study we feel like turning on. You you by you going to Nightly, which is literally the testing branch. There is the regular branch, stable beta developer, which is basically also used to be called Aurora. This is like you're le- you're less testing, but you're still testing. And then there's nightly. Everything in nightly is testing, like constantly. It changes all the time. So if you're not for, if you're not comfortable with trying out literally every change they make, don't use nightly. 
That's that's why they should. That's why so this is not an issue in my opinion. Firefox is their main browser. Curious. Raise your you use Firefox. Raise your hand. The audio, the podcast audience audience can't see that. Yeah, well, okay. Well, the people who raise their hand, uh, podcast audience are wrong. Um. So yes, audio, audio. Yes, I do. I do <laughs> like Firefox. I'm just making the statement that I. This is another one of those blocks that they're. Well, I think on. you make a good point because I love Firefox. I, I when Quantum came out, I raved and I just love everything about it. You're there the reason enough, I'm using Firefox right there's now. There's <laughs> enough exactly. I and I told lots of people to, but yeah. there's enough annoying things Mozilla is doing. And there are petty. To Michael's point, a lot of them are small and you're like, well, they only affect this group of people or that group of people, but they just seem to be making decisions enough times that make me scratch my head at the very least that I'm just like, eh. I, I would also like to point out to the audio listeners that Ryan did not raise his hand. That's right. I'm not using <laughs> I use Vivaldi. Vivaldi's been what I've been using. I, when I left Firefox, I went to Vivaldi. And I love Firefox. And I'd go back to it tomorrow. But they need to, they need to chill, man, on the decisions. These are, these are all like minute, minimal decisions. They, they are, decisions. but there's so like, many that keep piling up that I'm just like, yes, is, are, that's I'm what not, I'm saying. I'm not sure the people making the decisions even though these are small things are really are really looking at the bigger picture across the board. I wish they never did that Mr. Robot thing because I, I, yeah, but in any, if I, I, if I had, if I had any, any way to, 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 to combat this, this discussion, it would be, you know, they, they've not done anything frivolous, but then it's like, okay. So, but for the, to be fair, it is very testing. And it's not that big of a deal to be for people to like make huge blog posts and all this other like, you know, inciting riot type stuff. It's, it's bad in general, but like, and that means most people consider to kill data collection in general at all bad. So there's a, I mean, not most, but there's a lot of people who are against that and the whole opt out, opt in argument. I mean, that's pretty much, it's going to be the same regardless of who does it. Yeah. Okay, so that type of discussion could probably go on for a long time. So let's switch to something a little bit happier, a little bit lighter. <laughs> Ryan, what have you been playing this week? Well, this is going to make everybody happy. First of all, do any of you Are ever you sure play? about that? I, I'm positive. Has, have any of you ever played Mega Man? Dogafesto? Oh, my gosh. This is so sad. <laughs> is that, is oh, that, my gosh. Is that a game? Oh my gosh! I can't believe this. All right, no, well, okay, no, no, no. Mega Man's awesome. Wait, all right, is that Rocket most, League or <laughs> <laughs> one of the most beloved franchises of all time? Mega Man, and there, one of the developers who was involved in Mega Man series went out and did a Kickstarter call any of to yeah. create a game called Mighty Number no. Nine. Now, when this game first came out, it's been out for a while, but when it first came out, it got a lot of. Um, People were not happy with it because uh, I don't know if the developer didn't deliver during the Kickstarter on some of the things he said he was or whatnot, but it really kind of went away. And I don't know, again, if the developer had been working on it since that time or this was the game, but I can tell you in playing it, I absolutely loved it. Now, I'm going to admit I played it on the PS4 because I wanted to play with my son and he's five and absolutely loved it as well. I mean, technically it runs Unix, right? Yeah, technically. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, so in any case, I was playing it with my son. He's five. He had an absolute blast. And the graphics, it's an updated graphics. So you've got that. It's a 2D side scroller, but you've got the beautiful, you know, colors and graphics that you wouldn't have had on the older Mega Man series in there. You've got the boss fights at the end of the first level that you complete. You have cards with all the different bosses that you can fight, much like the Mega Man series. And it, the story is simple. The gameplay is simple. It's a jump and shoot. But there are puzzles. There's just a lot of fun to it. There are, of course, the big boss fights that require a lot of strategy. And I loved every second of it, including the soundtrack. So if you are a Mega Man fan, you can get this on Linux today on your machine. And it's called Mighty Number no. 9. It's awesome. For yeah, Going my wish list right now. For $19.99. It's worth it. Worth it. Going on my wish list for the Steam sale. Zeb, are you going to be live streaming this? <laughs> this won't be my next live stream no? for sure. No. There's no I, traffic I, in it. When I, when I, I actually remembered this like from the Kickstarter. I was, I was so excited, and then I forgot it was existing. So I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought it up now because I'm definitely going to play this game because I used to be a big fan of Mega Man. Yeah, Mega Man was amazing, and I and I think anybody who played Mega Man will love this one and bring their kids into it. But Rocco, we played a game this week. You and I played a game, and you just fell in love. I was totally, yeah. We played a game this week, and uh, Ryan messaged me, messages me and says, hey, you, you got to play this game. Uh, I'm like, okay. So he sends and me. And he literally a, probably said it like that. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> I was like, okay. I mean... <laughs> He sends me the link and I go to play it. It's it's okay. I will probably admit that this is a more fun than the actual PUBG. Because <laughs> it's a, a very minimal, and I will say minimal graphics-wise, version of a Battle Royale game. Royale? Battle Royale? Is that how you say it? Royale. Yeah, there you go. Royale. Um, game. And it's it's like a it's like a mini PUBG, only in very limited graphics, kind of like a pitfall type graphics. Yeah. Like well, the I first mean, cool. pitfall. <laughs> the first. Yeah. It's completely free to play. It's browser-based. The games are instant, which I know was a big deal for when I recommend a go for the kill. You're like, I got to wait here 10 minutes to get a game. Yep. So I knew I could recommend this one to you because I was like, man, the games are literally the second you click play, you are in it. Well, not only not only that, you sent me the link and I was playing by myself. And then you sent me another link so we could do a duo match where we were playing yeah. together. And that's what actually made it pretty cool. So Yeah. And you could pick up a gun in this game unlike Go For The Kill. <laughs> there were no bugs that you couldn't pick up a gun. <laughs> Although, wait, you did have a little bug of not being able to see buildings, right? Yeah, I could I could see the insides of the building, but not the outside section. And that was only when I joined in our team thing. And I didn't have it sent, so it may have been just kind of a one-time browser thing. But anybody's ever experienced playing PUBG, that happens in PUBG as well. So it, you don't have to worry about that. It's, it's normal. That's just a battle royale thing, I guess. It's called Battle Royale. Yeah, Battle, battle Royale is the type of game it is. Right. So right. It's called Survivio. Survivio, yeah. yeah. And it's so, survive.io oh yes, survive. is the web With the address. little orange men and the stick guns and... Yes. Don't judge them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it has potential. We, we should all have like do, do a squad and just... This uh, is a just... perfect example of a game that I cannot stop playing. 
um, because it's so much fun and it's instantaneous. So when you, you know, you've got like 15 minutes to burn, you're go a lunch break, anything yeah. else, you can drop into this game, do a quick battle royal, and you're playing against other players. Yes, you're just a little circle. There's kind of the guns are just, you know, colorized sticks, if you will, but you're getting armor. You're doing all the things you do in a battle royale game exactly the same. It's fast paced. It's free. Did I mention it's free? Completely free. But I think you hit on a good point mm-hmm. that it's one of those games where you don't need a lot of time to get into it. It's just mm-hmm. instant play. So like if you go to play a regular game, I mean, say you go to you want to play some Battlefield one. I mean, yep. first you got to boot into another operating system. Okay, yeah. <laughs> then you got to start up Origin, and then you have to start up the game, and it's probably a ten-minute process. Okay, maybe eight-minute process to actually get from starting Battlefield to when you actually start playing Battlefield One. Right. Yep. And this game is literally you got five minutes, you're good. You could run a quick session and yeah. have some fun. So uh, yeah. there's another game out there because I knew Zeb was going to be judgmental. You know, I, I just felt it. I felt Zeb's going to judge this game on his graphics alone. And he'll never play it. So I went on a hunt. Well, not really because game developer sites do all this for us, but Battle Royal, <laughs> there's another Battle Royal browser game out there called Unsung Heroes. It's the exact same concept. It's a Battle Royale game but it has way more enhanced art than the circle. Zeb, you're going to be blown away when you click that link, sir. Um, I don't know if you're going to be blown away, Zeb, but you, it may have. Is this Lemmings I'm looking at? <laughs> I think you're going from Pitfall to 007 Goldeneye. <laughs> Not even that, man. Gold, 007 Goldeneye would be. But this is, again, a very, this is a browser-based. This is like the, the original Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, that would be a perfect. It was kind of like the original Grand Theft Auto, where your characters aren't circles, uh, but they are, you know, pixelated characters. Yeah. But you can see, you know, individual guns are a little more detailed, and the buildings are more detailed. Now, it takes a little longer to get into these games, not much, but just a little longer. And there's a couple bugs here and there where things weren't as smooth as Survive.io. And Survive.io has a massive player base, by the way. So you will always be able to find a game. It was a little more difficult in this one, but uh, that's another option if you're looking for a battle royale game in Linux. I love the I love this name. I love the, the game. This game. No, I, I I just the name of the game was when you said unsung heroes. Like okay, that's cool, but the, it's battle royale unsung heroes. So the acronym is bruh. Yeah, bruh. so that's what the website is. It's bruh.io. Yo, bruh. Love it. Perfect. Now I know why I only played racing games growing up like Grandpa. <laughs> it's just is not me at all. Yeah, you like you love traffic. I get it. Yes. <laughs> Where are the stoplights? How do you follow the rules? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Why can't I just bump this guy off the road and drive past him and win the race? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so do you guys have nope. anything else there's one more zeb there's one more which is well we need you to answer the question do video games make you violent no <laughs> well it's settled rocco i guess you're right we're done that's we're done. that's simple um this question comes up decade after decade after decade and the only the only good example I can give you why this is psychobabble BS, okay, 
when I was younger, yes, I know it was a long, long time ago, Ryan. We used to play a game in the playground where you'd split into two teams and one by one you had had to reach the other side of the playground. Now, you could be stopped by being tripped over, grabbed or jumped upon. Now, this was banned as being too violent because it taught you to be nasty to people. It suggested that violence was an acceptable way to get what you wanted. So they, they, they stopped all schools from allowing, and we used to call it British Bulldog, because the Bulldog was a tough character and could get through anything. So question, have you guys ever played rugby? Okay, let me rephrase that. Actually, yes. <laughs> have you ever played American football without the padding? Yes. 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 Right. So how much more violent do you want to get? And this is a national sport, Yeah. We are proud to be associated with a winning team who have just tripped up, grabbed hold of, and jumped on the opposing team to win. <laughs> what was the difference between British Bulldog and football? Or, you know, not football, but rugby, American football. It's the, the, the single ball in between. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's about it. Violence, you know, games make you violent? No. No, so, they've said the same thing about movies and TV shows and lots of other stuff. Like, so the reason why we're on this is there was a study conducted because this has now been politicized heavily recently again about do games make you violent? And they did a study of 90 adults and they split them into groups. One group played GTA. Nice shout out to that, which we know, you know, has a lot of violence and, and you know, graphics and things in there. And then. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto, right? And then the other ones played Sims, and then there was a control group that played no games. And, well, the results were pretty much what Zeb said at the end of it. There were no changes. Now, they did filter out for people who had uh, potential, you know, mental issues, deviant behaviors, and those type of things. They filtered those people out. So they took everyday individuals without any health, you know, mental health issues and did the test with them and found out there was literally no change in their behavior at all, which is really not news to any of us that game. And in right. Zeb's case, not only are games good, but he follows all the perfect laws in games and traffic and stoplights and right, Zeb? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like you're not going 300 miles per hour with a semi down the interstate, right? Then if I'm not doing that, then it's not fun. But shock <laughs> horror, Ryan. Uh-huh. What? I bought a game on Oh, you Steam. mean like an expansion Euro truck? No, 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 no. F1 2017. Look at awesome. you. Nice. Yeah. And thanks to Rocco, I got the previous version, F1 2015, for free. Nice. Because Humble so, Bundle was offering it free. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll be playing those games in the next couple of weeks. I'm not going to be streaming them because there's nothing fun about me fishtailing up the the motorway or swinging from side to side on the racetrack because F1 games have been really, really twitchy from day one and you have to set up your keyboard with the correct parameters. And I'm still trying to work all those out yet. So start 15th end 15th is not a lot of fun on the stream. Please let the telegram group know, or just us when you, if you do stream it, cause I really would, I would love to watch you stream that game. I, I will do. I will do. I'm going to practice on 2015 and then go enjoy better graphics and the better gameplay on 2017 so it'll be it'll be good so Rocco that's our episode but before we go 
we want to ask people to kind of help us out with something. Yeah, pretty much. We have, uh, you know, obviously a RSS feed that some of you are listening to. We also have a, we also have a YouTube channel, if you didn't know. (laughs) And we need your help in the rating system in your favorite podcast app, or maybe on Google Play or iTunes. We're asking for your help to give Destination Linux a rating. If you want to give us a zero rating, no. But we're asking for your help to give Destination Linux Destination Linux a, a rating on your favorite podcast app or iTunes or Google Play because it would really help uh, our base grow and let us continue to do the interviews, do the podcast, and produce good content. Absolutely. So if you're on a podcast, your podcast app, if you're on a podcast and haven't done YouTube, go subscribe on YouTube and check out our ugly mugs there. You can see all of us and enjoy it, even if it's not your preferred method or vice versa. But there are so many ways doing things like that help us out a lot. It helps us get interviews for individuals um, to come to the show because they can see it's popular. A lot of people watch it and listen. They can see the comments. That it helps we get. us get it featured as well in the, the podcast apps and as far as like momentum building with algorithms and stuff. Well, Absolutely. the other thing to that is you you touched on interviews, and there are people out there who do not want to do interviews on on a podcast that they don't feel gets to the amount of audience that they want to see. So yep. it would just help us out. So we want to thank everybody, no matter how you watch, how you listen, for doing just that and being a part of this with us, because we enjoy bringing it to you every week, and... We're so happy you are actually supporting the channel, however way you do it. So it's much appreciated. Everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Rocco, you're muted. I knew that. I was just testing you. <laughs> kind of like testing Firefox nightly. <laughs> I just love the show, but Rocco is such a moron. So as a graphic designer, the word logo actually applies to all of them together. Because there's <laughs> there's the logo icon and there's the logo text. And when you say the word logo, you're actually referring to both of them. Okay, so, so Mr. You, Mr. Designer, specific. I would, was planning on putting the logo text and the logo icon all Oh, in that case, alright. <laughs> you want people to recognize, as a marketing expert, Michael knows, you want people to start recognizing and... Wow, did he put words in your mouth? <laughs> accurate words. I love it. Yes. It's okay. It's okay when it's accurate. <laughs> I wonder if he'll be at Linux Fest. Hey, by the way, I booked my trip, Michael. So if you're going, I'll see you there, man. So maybe we can do a live podcast from there. I'm thinking that would be awesome. Noah's going to be there too. He's going to be yep. podcasting live. So maybe I, uh, maybe I could steal Noah away and have him come join us, but you never know.
Maybe you could be the man on the street and do some interviews of Noah and other people that are there. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a T-shirt with your face on it, so you're there. <laughs> well, you don't want to do that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a big, giant picture of Rocco. You know what it's going to be, though? Is Noah's going to be there with his huge webcam on his shoulder, all the pod kit and all the rest of it, and there's Ryan there with his phone. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Zeb? <laughs> How else are you going to do a live podcast? What, am I like a teenage girl in your mind or something? <laughs> Like, and there's Ryan, like a little fanboy running around with his phone. Zeb, what, what do you, I can Zeb, he's very defensive. Him. He's a so, very, very defensive guy. So, so Ryan, uh, how does that make uh -huh. you feel? <laughs> it makes me feel sad, frankly. I don't know what they're talking about. Uh-huh. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. Zeb, you won't be on my shirt. I'll tell you that much. No, it's gonna have all this equipment. You're just gonna have a little phone. Sick of it. <laughs> I'll have to take this. <laughs> hey, let me ask you, uh, guys. So we're I'm, guys, I'm going guys. To, I'm, go, I'm going to. What did you did you just mock me like with that voice? Like I'm some prepubescent teen girl or something? <laughs> <laughs> so it was just by habit that I did. So Zeb calls me a prepubescent teen first, then you jump on. It's your turn, Michael. Go ahead. <laughs> I would, I would never, I would like, like, ne totally never do that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Use your name this time. <laughs> yeah, you ain't lying. Oh, the whole show was perfect except for that one guy who doesn't say his name at the beginning. Again, I didn't think it all the way through. It was just a blah, blah, blah. You had it perfect last week, except you didn't mention yourself. <laughs> yeah, you forgot to mention your own name. <laughs> He's like, and you guys know who I am. And clearly I'm Rocco. And if you need to know that, get out of our show. <laughs> I'm yeah. the Rocco of this podcast. I had another podcast to do and another podcast to do. Yeah, what's and with that, by the way, with your uh, podcast <laughs> loyalty problems, man? We need to have a discussion no, no, on no, that. No, no, no. Like I said in the, in the channel, can't you just blame my head and not my heart? Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> look at that. I wish we could get some behind-the-scenes clips on that podcast. It's probably like, wow, you guys are so much more professional in those Destination Linux guys. <laughs> I wish you guys would invite me over to this one. Man, you should see the train wreck I have to work in. You guys I, I, really know what you're doing over here. I would absolutely never even consider letting you listen to that. Exactly. <laughs> they have this idiot Ryan over there, and he just walks around with his phone like a teenage girl all day. <laughs> uh, I ain't got this loser worried about pixels. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. But I told them they have my heart. Isn't that funny? They fell for it. What morons? <laughs> Destination losers. There's enough of me to go around. Okay, jeez. <clears throat> so they may not have room for it, is what you're saying? Right. They might not have room, or they might not want to devote that much room. Oh, we'd have so, to cover up somebody else's podcast. Oh, too bad. <laughs> you mean like late night Linux or Ubuntu podcast? <laughs> exactly. It's so sad. Wow. I was on late night Linux before I was on this show. Okay. Jeez. Be easier that way because then um, we don't have to remember to do it every time, which we won't. 
We won't. <laughs> yeah, we won't. Not in this podcast, but the other one I visited this week. There we are. <laughs> they, they already had bumpers pre-recorded. And it was perfect. They've By also the way, had 400 ratings on their podcast. They've also had 11 years of doing the podcast. <laughs> they so. have 600 and some members in their Telegram group. <laughs> and you're all nice to me. Call me Master Michael. I would never mock a Telegram group count because you have because the Destination Linux has like 200 more than me. So like, whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you guys ready? Let's do this, man. We're professionals. Ready as I'll ever be. Give me uh, 27 seconds. <clears throat> Five. Three, two, one. Are you ready, Michael? Destination Linux is a go. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you just need that twenty-seven seconds to giggle? Because I saw you do nothing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I'm the schoolgirl Zeb. Yeah. What the hell? <clears throat> well, the first part, I was just looking to make sure I was in the right part of the document. I only needed about seven seconds for that. And then yeah, I just started counting down, and just, I just I, I lost it. So you really didn't. You lied. You didn't yeah, need no. twenty seven seconds. You just needed five. I needed, I needed twenty seven. <clears throat> you all ruined twenty three of them. Is that how they do it over on your favorite podcast? <laughs> <laughs>